What is it that makes us, as humans, different, even shall I say better than monkeys? Well, maybe not much these days, but we do have a few things going for us as a species. You know, Charlie Darwin said there wasn't that much of a difference. We both came down from the same tree and then evolution took place. So I'd like to think that evolution included the arts and the sciences, and that's what makes us different, even shall I say better than our pesky primate cousins. Hello everybody, I'm Brian Hanna. Thanks for joining me today for Better Than Monkeys. Remember that great musical that was making the rounds, Jersey Boys? It's the story of the 1960s scrappy musical group featuring Frankie Valli. They had a magic sound that propelled them from singing under the streetlights to singing in spotlights with songs like Sherry, Big Girls Don't Cry, Walk Like a Man. The quartet found itself at the top of the charts. Well, after the Chicago run of Jersey Boys ended, the cast decided it was time to take a new show on the road, and that show is called Under the Street Lamps. And today, one of those cast members, Sean Wiley, is joining us as our special guest on Better Than Monkeys. Hello everybody, it's Brian Hanna from WQLN Radio, and we are lucky enough to have with us on the phone today, Sean Wiley. Sean is a member of the cast of Under the Street Lamp, uh, Chautauqua 12th performance coming up very shortly, and uh, we would like to take just a few minutes to welcome Sean to our radio waves. Hi Sean, thanks for coming in, spending some time with us here today on WQLN. Well, thank you for having me. So where are we calling you today? Where are you at today? Uh, I'm at home in uh, Phoenix, uh, Arizona, where the weather is a balmy 110 degrees. <laughs> it's a dry heat, so it sure that's, is. A, that's just fine. So uh, you're one of the cast members of Under the Street Lamp. Uh, Under the Street Lamp is uh, kind of a fun group. They've been to the Chautauqua Institution before, and you're coming back on July 12th of this year. But you want to tell us a little bit about how Under the Street Lamp and the cast came together? Because uh, it's kind of a evolution of the cast that used to be what we knew as Jersey Boys. That's correct. And, you know, we, we have uh, an ongoing argument within the organization as to whether we call ourselves a cast or a band. We kind of operate, um, and we're kind of a unicorn in that sense. Um, we uh, play instruments. Uh, we have a band that backs us up as well. Um, uh, we, we do choreography. So it, it does kind of have that feeling of, of, a of a, uh, uh, a traditional musical presentation. Um, but, uh, there is no script, there is no book and, uh, we're ourselves on stage. So, um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The show uh, was born out of uh, an experience, four guys playing uh, the four seasons in the Chicago company of Jersey Boys, decided when the show closed that we wanted to keep singing together. And so we picked music, uh, including Frankie Valli in the four seasons, but really took a dive into what we like to call the American radio songbook, music that was on the radio that was the soundtrack of uh, a generation um, between 1950 and uh, the late 60s into the 70s, and now we're moving into the 80s as well because, quite honestly, it's 30 years ago. <laughs> right. So, um, so yeah, so, so we, um, we've had uh, a really wonderful uh, time 
digging into that music. Well, you know, that was a great era too. Uh, the 50s and the 60s, that was a time when there wasn't usually just a lead singer and a band in the background. It was a time when the members of the band were singing background vocals and really making a, a true piece of art. Uh, it wasn't just so one-sided with a lead singer with a bunch of backup band members. And you sure, guys and fill that role. And that's kind of what, yeah, that's kind of what we try to do as well. You know, all um, there are four four lead singers. Uh, when you're not singing lead, you're stepping back and you're backing your friends up. Um, and, and we cover music. Um, we, um, the Beach Boys, the Beatles, Bobby Darin, um, uh, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons, Little Anthony and the Imperials. We, we dive into Dion and the Belmonts and some of that older uh, uh, music from uh, uh, the doo-wop era. And so uh, and, and we do music by the Doobie Brothers and Bob Seger. And so it really is that all that great music that, that, that we grew up listening to on the radio. Um, and uh, we wear suits and we do fun choreography and uh, we, we don't take ourselves very serious. We take the music serious and um, have, a, have a good time uh, giving, giving each other uh, a little grief on stage uh, as friends and brothers would would do um and so uh it's a it's a it's a, a lovely experience uh that we get to to live this life of making music and making people happy so uh i understand you know uh, maybe it started as a, a offshoot of jersey boys after the chicago run of jersey boys came to an end uh but did you all come together on your own for the cast of jersey boys or were you cast by an agency and then just decided to continue on your own how did how did this evolve Oh sure. So um, yeah, it's kind of a you you could uh, you could say that the casting directors for the musical Jersey Boys and and there were productions all over the world at one time. I think there were nine or ten going on at once with the Broadway company, the Chicago company. There was a Toronto company, productions in London, and national two national tours in the Chicago company. And so um, the casting directors uh, were casting the show and bringing people in and as some people would leave other people would join certain companies and it really was kind of a uh that last year in chicago um when the four of us kind of came together uh i guess it would have been in the spring of 2009 um, and we started looking for opportunities to engage with the city um we uh sang it um street fairs and summer festivals and we performed uh as headliners for charitable organizations and and other organizations in town that were looking to um kind of have entertainment at the shows and at that time we weren't really allowed to sing any music from frankie valley and the four seasons contractually as members of the musical jersey boys we weren't allowed to do that outside of the show and so we really had an opportunity to to dig in, I'm, I, we were doing Connie Francis and singing uh, old Johnny Ray songs, and and just had a real uh, a real wonderful time, kind of finding out more about this music. And um, so when the show closed, we didn't want our time with the music or with uh, or with people who were fans of uh, the early days of radio and that music. And so we formed this group to celebrate. Uh, the American Radio Songbook, and um, kind of we're just doing it as a as a as a survival job. We didn't. We went back to living in New York and would travel to 
to Chicago or to wherever the shows were. Um, we were auditioning for other shows, and we met a producer who um, thought that it would be uh, that that what we were presenting could possibly be a product that uh, public television would be interested in. And so we filmed our first live concert uh, for television in 2011, and um, WTTW in Chicago was uh, very uh, um, responsive to the program and became a presenting station. And it was for us, it was kind of like catching lightning in a bottle. We had had no idea that that this thing was going to take off, and it and it did. And now we're three specials in, and uh, and a uh, uh, a prime time. Uh, music competition that we did called Harmonies for Healing that's been airing all over the country on uh, public television. And five albums, from what I understand, correct? Yeah, that's right. The uh, the, the PBS specials there are uh, uh, had accompanying DVDs and CDs, live albums, and then we just released a best of live album and uh, and also a holiday album last year called Hip to the Holidays. And so we've stayed very busy and very active, and we've been We've been itching to get back to the Chautauqua Institute. We, uh, the, the two times we've been there, um, have had just a wonderful time uh, performing in the in that awesome outdoor space, and and then at, at the same time just really taking advantage of the beauty that that is uh, that region. It is a beautiful place to perform. Now, uh, how busy are you guys? Do you guys tour like uh, 362 days a year, or is it uh, just kind of sporadic? Is it a summer-only thing? Or um, we, we, we play between um, 60 and 80 dates a year, and um, we have uh, high seasons and we have low seasons. Um, primarily, uh, the, our summers are usually light, but um, we're very, very lucky this year to have um, a few more uh, uh, gigs in the summer. But our, our and our holidays are very busy, and so are the, uh, you know, the months between uh, February and 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 May. Sure. We're usually out on the road quite a bit. So do you um, do that on purpose, though, to give yourselves opportunities to do other shows or other projects, or is that just kind of how you schedule it? Um, it's just kind of how it's scheduled. Um, we have a, an incredible uh, group of people working for us. Um, we've been very fortunate to play with uh, symphonies. We just spent uh, three days with the Nashville Symphony back in April, um, and uh, we played with the Detroit Symphony and the Phoenix Symphony. So we have a separate show altogether with uh, that has a that has a symphony uh, element to it um, right. that we that we do as well as our our own uh, production, I guess you could say, where it's just the seven the seven piece band and then the four guys singing. And so, um, and and you know, we all have families and and kids and. We uh, we spend our downtime uh, with our with our families and developing uh, other music. And the wonderful thing is with the with the way that technology has advanced, um, we have a, a, a real opportunity to work from home. Um, and uh, we have the internet, and we have conference calls, and we have uh, you know the opportunity to to work on new music um, remotely, which is uh, which is quite a quite a feat exciting. these days. Everybody doesn't have to be in Phoenix all at the same time. That's really nice. <laughs> exactly, or or in New Jersey, or in uh, Detroit, or in Florida, or right. Chicago. I mean, we really are kind of spread out all over the country. So, um, but I'd say that I'd say that home base for the band is is uh, and 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 under the street lamp is Chicago because that's kind of where that's kind of where the uh, 
the the birth of this uh, this idea and this concept kind of came from. So is it the same for cast members, band members uh, for every production, or does that vary from time to time for you? Um, it is the same for, um, and we've gone through uh, some changes over the course of the years. Um, where uh, we were we were very fortunate, like I said, to catch lightning in a bottle, and we had um, at the time some really wonderful performers that uh, kind of uh, were thrust into this thing together. And um, as people have left, we've been uh, incredibly fortunate to find, and I wouldn't even say replacements because. Um, the real wonderful thing about being able to be yourself on stage is that you get to pick the music that you want to sing. Right. And while, you know, a former member might have been, might have gravitated towards, you know, artists like Etta James and um, more soulful people, we've, right. we've brought in other we've brought in other another artist that gravitates a little bit more towards, you know, uh, Lou Christie and um, artists like. Um, uh, the Beatles and is uh, is a little bit more kind of uh, rooted in um, uh, soulful like early country rock and roll and so uh, Roy Orbison and those kinds of artists right. and so as people have come in uh, the music kind of shifts and changes uh, but the there's just such a a vast catalog that it doesn't ever feel like you're missing out on something because as as you move to you're bringing in somebody else. You're you're bringing in um, some of that great great music that may not have been uh, a part of the experience. Right. Well, you know, uh, myself, I play with a cover band here in Erie. We primarily specialize with uh, R and B and soul and a little bit of funk stuff, a little disco. Um, awesome. There, there's a big, uh, not a debate. Yeah, maybe a debate uh, about cover bands versus bands that do originals. Now, uh-huh. I'm a big fan of cover bands. I think it's great when you can take something that somebody else had already done, make it your own, or even if you try to keep it as exact as possible. Uh, you guys add your own flavor to the music, or do you try to recreate it just as we would have heard it originally done? Well, that's that we, we, um, we like to say that we stand on the shoulders of the artists that created it while breathing new life and energy into the music. Great and answer. so... Uh, a perfect example is uh, we, we do Dancing in the Street by Mars and the Vandellas, right. um, old Motown tune. The song has been covered by the Mamas and the Papas. Mick Jagger and David Bowie did a cover of it. Van Halen did a cover of it. Like th- There have been so many uh, versions of the song that when we created our version, we kind of made it our own. We found a groove that was unlike any of the other ones. When we listened to each of those versions, there were moments that we loved that we wanted to kind of pay tribute to each of those versions. If you know them well and you listen to our version, you could probably pick them out. There's a lovely like call and response that the mamas and the papas do that we that we wanted to put in. And the other thing is too is that our our vocal breakdown as far as the voices are concerned are like contralto, like tenor one who sings like super, super high. You've got another tenor one and then you've got another tenor one, and then you've got a lyric baritone. So the way in which we um, voice our background vocals is very, I think, unique to our band, whereas you would have maybe the lead singer, you'd have one voice on top and maybe two voices below the lead singer. What we do is we put two voices above the lead singer, and then we have one voice below him. It's a nice, so tight, the, nice tight package. 
Yeah, so the harmonies are really, and, and we love um, when, we're, when we're creating harmonies, um, uh, utilizing the sixth of the chord, um, so it sounds almost like um, barbershop a little bit, and I don't want to say barbershop in the sense of like the style of music, right? But in but in but in kind of like harmon- and harmonically speaking, um, we we love to 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 get things really really close to each other, and um, uh, I just think that it that when you listen to groups uh, that do this kind of stuff. Uh, that that that's something very unique about about what it is that we do, and, and it's you know, also not the, easy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, it's a lot of work. You're so close. You're crunchy. Yeah, right. We love that. We try to do that a little bit with our band here in Erie too. <laughs> yeah, and it takes a lot well, of work you know, to get it right. Exactly, and that and that idea of like tribute. I mean, it really, it, it really is a tribute to this music. It's a it's a testament to the music as well. How it's lasted all these years and it's still popular. I mean, it's the it's the one. I mean, we have we have generations coming to our shows, three generations, grandparents and parents who listen to their music with their, with their parents. And they're now introducing it to their, to their children. So you have like, you know, three generations of families coming and and listening to our, to, to our music. And that's a, that's a testament to, uh, to the, to the quality of, of music it that was being created. Is. And you know, it's kind of like, you, you know, you picture the uh, great American songbook and you're thinking, I don't know, Cole Porter and George Gershwin sure. and all that kind of stuff. But uh, this is kind of like the new American songbook because these are songs that you are doing as a group that are still approachable with great memorable melody lines, vocal harmonization parts. I don't think you're going to see a next American songbook based on what's happening now because it is so... Um, produced and so uh, electronic and so managed that right. uh, it's losing a little of that magic that we used to get in the 50s, 60s, and 70s with great vocal writing. Even through Michael Jackson and the Bee Gees, you still had that. I think right. that's gone now, and we're concentrating on produced artists. So uh, you might be doing what's almost the uh, the last great American songbook. Yeah, and the uh, the other thing that's really interesting, too, is that when with with the uh with the advent of uh digital radio uh, everything is so fragmented right. like people have taken their music and 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 i think it's i think it's really awesome that that as we've as music has de- as our musical culture in in the world has developed um people have kind of pushed the envelope so far that 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 it isn't it isn't so um uh, so so closed, and the uh, the rules to creating music um, are so so much broader because people are looking they're look they're looking for their music in so many different places, and so right. it gives the artist the opportunity to really kind of push the envelope. In the '80s, you had you had you had artists like Billy Joel and Elton John who were who were creating uh, music that was. Uh, contemporary for that period, but that had so much color and so much influence from from the 1950s and the 1960s. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you listen to Billy Joel, and it's like it's this guy. This guy's reborn from you know from from the era of like early rock and roll, and right. even George Michael too. You know, he's a little bit around, or actually around the same time. Um, we were listening to some George Michael the other day in the car. And, 
he's on the oldie station. Right. <laughs> so, you know, as we're as we're creating new music too, we have to be cognizant of the fact that music from the from the from the eighties and even into the nineties is is twenty 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 to thirty years old. And so that's been really fun for us too, is as we as we push the envelope, we'll always have those those great classics from the sixties and, and, and even go I mean, actually we're we're working right now on creating some new material for our symphony show and I've I've been uh going through um music from the early the turn of the century after you're gone and I cried for you and some of these great standards you, you didn't realize that House of the Rising Sun was in the public domain. <laughs> it right. was it's actually an old gospel. Um but the animals took it and and turned it into this you know, Iconic absolute rock classic. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you've been around for a while now. Uh, you know, I was reading in your bio that uh, by the time you got out of high school, it's possible you'd done over 50 musicals. Uh, yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's a lot. So, you, I mean, you've been, you've been obviously in, in this scene for a long time. You have performed with Kristen Chenoweth at City Center and you were in Candide, one of my favorite musicals ever. Uh, you've done a lot. So you've been around, you've done a lot but I'm sure you still have fanboy moments when you finally meet somebody at one of your concerts or you get to perform with somebody who's just been an idol for your whole life. Have you had a true fanboy moment where you just met that one person and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe they're standing here with me. <laughs> who is it? Who would that person be? Um, well, I was living in New York and um, a friend of mine took me to see uh, the boy from Oz and I, I got to meet Hugh Jackman backstage. And that was a, that was a real fanboy moment. A pretty, a pretty awesome uh, to uh, to have witnessed uh, that performance. And you know, he's now touring in uh, in arenas all over yeah, all over the I've country. Yeah, I've seen some videos. It's and great. Actually all over the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that was a that was a, a real big moment for me. Um, uh, pretty pretty wonderful. You know, a lot of the a lot of the early um, uh, artists that I looked up to, um, I unfortunately never got an opportunity to meet um, artists like Gene Kelly and. Right. And uh, and and Fred Astaire, Sammy Davis Jr. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. And you know, as you as you get to know these artists and you get to see them and you get to spend time with them, you realize that that they're just you know they're they're just like you. They they put their pants on one leg at a time and <laughs> they uh, um, you know and they it's uh, it's uh, but it's but it's great to uh, to get those opportunities and and we've met some of the artists that that, that we that we cover we had a, a really wonderful opportunity with Marshall Thompson from the Shy Lights and from uh, with uh, Carl G Marisi and the Buckinghams um, and did some mentorships with them uh, when we when we were working on our second PBS special and we're in the studio with them for a while and that was that was fun getting a chance to sing their music and get coached by them oh. uh, wow while we're trying to, to breathe that life into it. So it was a, a great time. Well, you know, you mentioned that um, you didn't have the opportunity to, to meet some of uh, some of your uh, big idols, uh, Sammy Davis Jr., Frank Sinatra, all, that, all those, those kind of uh, genre musicians. Uh, and I rarely get emotional over artists when they pass away if you don't meet them because it's like, well, thank you for the music, but, you know, you never really connect with them on a personal level. But uh, right. when Frank Sinatra passed away and when Sammy Davis Jr. passed away and Dean Martin, uh, these are guys who were so influential uh in my life growing up that it was like losing a family member and i don't oh, just sure. don't see like you get that connection with some of today's artists you might be sad that somebody has has a rough patch in their life or something but 
uh, I'm just not feeling that connection with a lot of these younger artists coming up. So what is it about these great artists? Is it because they were uh, triple threats? They were singing, they were dancing, they were acting, they were in movies and plays and doing specials. They were just in every facet of your life. Whereas today's artists, it seems like you either buy their album or you see them in concert and that's it. So uh, what do you think that connection was with these great artists of the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s? I think it also has to, and I, you, yeah, I think you're right. And but at the same time, I think it's too when when you, when you discover them in your life, you know, when you're a kid and you and I, you know, when I was a kid and I turned on the, the the TV and my parents put the you know a VCR tape of Singing in the Rain in, in the VCR and I watched it for the first time, you know, I I had this this visceral kind of experience and as I started to fall in love with the art form and as I started to fall in love with the music and as I as watched these videos over and over and over again and then I was in dance classes learning how to do the craft while I was watching these artists and they were kind of for me the 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 inspiration and the uh, you know the the opportunity to to, to, to grow and to be, I wanted to be like them. I think right. that to me is the thing that draws them so close to you on an emotional level. Um, I remember where I was when Gene Kelly passed away, when I found out Gene Kelly had passed away. I was, right. I was in college. I was, I was in the studio theater watching a show. I think it maybe had been a Friday night or a Thursday night. And I remember somebody telling me right before the curtain came up, I was sitting in the audience watching the show, and I just remember being absolutely devastated. The yeah, same thing like with Gregory Sinatra Hines, you know. Away. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I felt that way when Sinatra passed away. It was exactly. crushing. Yeah, and and you know, um, and I think that that's probably what it is, you know, and it's and it's different for everybody. I think, I think that there will be, um, and and I'm sure there there were people when Amy Winehouse passed away, who listened to her music and who wanted to sing like her and who wanted to be like her and. And, and and watched her career and 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 saw her struggle and and then when she passed would have had the same kind of visceral you know uh, feeling about about her about her leaving this earth um, as as maybe I did with with Gene Kelly and you did with Frank Sinatra right um, because it because it's it's well, it's when you come in contact with them I think as you're as you're growing and learning I think part of it might be how are. real they are too. Uh, you know, sure. uh, we were seeing Frank and Sammy and Dean, and we're seeing them with their kids and we're seeing them out there in public uh, just being real people. And, that, you know, we wanted to be them. They were living the great life. Uh, you saw their family life. It was all polished and pretty in front of the cameras. Uh, you know, it just was it was appealing to want to be like them and to share part of that talent. And you see it, it, it still lives true today. There's so many people out there who are still Frank Sinatra impersonators, who are right. uh, Elvis impersonators. You know, you, you just want to see that uh, because they, they did touch so many people in so many different ways. And uh, is that yeah. something that you think uh, 20 years down the road, people are going to be like, hey, remember when we saw Under the Street Lamp at Chautauqua and the, how much? They I hope moved? so. <laughs> you know, I hope so. I mean, and, and even if it's not... Uh, the thing that is the most gratifying about what it is that we do is that for a brief moment in someone's day, they have an opportunity to come to a show and forget all their troubles and listen to some music and, 
and maybe maybe have a nostalgic moment of remembering when they where they were when they heard that song that we just played and and if if not that 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 for 90 minutes to to 2 hours and 20 minutes depending on where you're seeing us you had that opportunity to just lose yourself in the music and we have people writing into us telling us about you know I haven't felt this good and you know my uh, my husband passed away and and it's been really hard for me to to get out of bed every morning and we had bought these tickets to see your show and uh, I was not sure if I wanted to come and I'm so glad that I did because it made me remember all of the good times that I had with him and we have children who are taking care of an ailing parent who has uh, dementia or Alzheimer's and they don't remember anything but when they put our music on and they hear these songs uh, everything comes back and they're they're it's it's like their their dad has or their mother has uh has come back to them while they're listening to the music and you know that to me is the most gratifying and the most satisfying aspect of what it is that we do is your um, is your show kid friendly oh uh, very kid friendly um and we're we're really popular with the six and seven year olds. They love it. I mean, they see the show on TV, and we've got video, people send us videos of of their children dancing along to us uh, while uh, while we're uh, while while they're watching us on television. And um, uh, yeah, we have <laughs> uh, one little fan, Lexi, who lives in um, who lives in uh, the Carolinas. She uh, she um, she has had under the street lamp themed birthday parties and oh. you know she comes to the show and she's all decked out in her poodle skirt and her under the street lamp shirt which has our faces on it i mean it's it's uh it's a it's a real thrill and these kids are are are, are just as excited about this music as their uh, as their parents and grandparents are so that's uh, wonderful so. a whole new generation coming up who can carry on the tradition yeah exactly just love that so uh i won't keep you too much longer but uh You've been on the road for years. What's your craziest on the road memory? Craziest on the road memory, gosh. It's it's funny because Eric, um, who is in the band, uh, will pull into a venue and he'll be like, I don't remember where we are or what we're doing and we, were we were we here before and I'll be able to like, yeah, like, you know, April of, you know, two thousand and sixteen we were here at this venue, it was snowing blowing. and he's like, How do you remember all of this stuff? I was <laughs> like, I don't know, it's just just how my brain works, but um the craziest moment. Okay, so we played a gig in Maryland, and we had the next day we had to fly to Minnesota to play a gig there, and we travel with our backline. Right. But we decided to leave our backline in Maryland, D.C. area. So we flew. We had them do the backline there. We flew back, and then we had to travel from there up the coast to New Jersey. So we were really freaked out that we weren't going to something was going to happen flights were going to get canceled or whatever was going to happen and but it didn't we got to minnesota we played in rochester it was a great show we left the next morning we flew back to um to maryland and um got on the bus and we're really excited about how everything went and we drove that night to new jersey well we left all of our backline in Maryland. (laughs) And so when our production manager opened the trailer to start the load in and there was nothing in it, (laughs) he freaked out. 
and um, it was a uh, it was it was it was crazy. So luckily, the theater that we were playing at in New Jersey, they had um, wedges and all the kind of uh, cables and everything that you would need to do in order to set up for like a traditional show with you know without because we travel with our our in ear monitors. Right. And, but we we played the show that night with our with our gear <laughs> like we uh, with with someone else's gear because uh but luckily we had our, mus- our our instruments because we had we had traveled uh to that other gig and we took our stuff with us so it was just that was that's probably one of the craziest things that that ever happened <laughs> and that um, that's uh, a fear every traveling musician has i do uh, we call it the dummy check i unpack everything and then repack it before shows uh, right. just because i know uh, even if i forget a mic cable it's over uh, right. But fortunately, you got lucky in that instance. We did get very lucky. Happen. We did get very lucky. Well, <laughs> Crazy. Uh, do you travel with your family? Did they come on the road with um, you? No, unfortunately, because it's one-nighters and because and, – and that's the thing, too, about what we do is we're out for five days. We're back for five days. We're out for – if we're out for a long period of time, we're home and, 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 and home for a period of time. I mean, I think this is the longest stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we last played a show – um, end of actually middle of middle of June, and we're off until July July 10th. So you know we've got this nice chunk of time, and um, I don't know. I don't think my wife would want to be on a bus with you know <laughs> <laughs> ten guys, and uh, and and my little girl. She's 18 months, and she'd love it. She she she'd have a great time, but you know it, it'd be it'd be probably a little too much. They do come when they can to see shows. Um, sure. We've played in, in Phoenix and Tucson quite a bit. And, uh, and she came up uh, before Harper was born uh, to, we were in Vancouver for a, for a New Year's Eve gig. And so we made a kind of a, a family vacation. trip out of it. Oh, so. that's nice. So is Harper going to be a uh, singer, dancer, actress in training? I don't know. She, um, she's, she's mastering the pool. She, <laughs> she can kick and blow bubbles and, um, and loves the water. So, that would be cool too. And now the dog's barking. Hilarious. That's okay. Makes for great um, radio. I know, right? <laughs> uh, somebody just rang the doorbell. <laughs> it's UPS. You know what? I can let you go because you've got a lot of family stuff going on. We've kept you for about half an hour, so I appreciate that. But uh, again, people are going to come, uh, if we can get them there, to the Chautauqua Institution. It's going to be July 12th, uh, 8.15 p.m. show. And it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. If you have a chance to check out Under the Street Lamp videos on YouTube, they're great. Lots of energy, great vocal stylings, songs you remember, something you don't want to miss. Under the Street Lamp, July 12th at the Chautauqua Institution. Under the Street Lamp's own Sean Wiley joining us here on the radio. Thanks, Sean, for taking a half hour of your busy schedule today to join us. And we can't wait to see you at Chautauqua. Thank you so much for having me, and we look forward to it. It's going to be a great time. So thank you so much, Sean. Have a great afternoon. Hey, you too. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank Sean Wiley and the cast of Under the Street Lamp for making today's interview possible. Also, I'd like to thank Emily Morris and Jordan Steves of the Chautauqua Institution for helping arrange all of the connections to make this interview possible. If you'd like more information on Under the Street Lamp's July 12th performance at the Chautauqua Institution or any of the wonderful programming they offer all summer, well, you can find it on the web at chq.org. And if you'd like to listen to other episodes of Better Than Monkeys, well, you can find them on any of your favorite podcast sites like Spotify or iTunes, or you can ask your smart speaker to play Better Than Monkeys. It's easy, just like that. I'm Brian Hanna. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of BTM. 
Better Than Monkeys is a production of WQLN Radio.